Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 120 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. I am Michael. And I am Anthony. And we're going we're, to... We're not changing anything. What am I talking about? We gonna, I was we, going to say, we're going to do something completely different tonight, but we're not. No, we're not. We're going to talk... <laughs> we're going to drink beer and talk about the Bible. That's that's what we do. We, if there's one thing that Michael and I are, it's creatures of habit, so... That is very true. Go. Good grief. Like, with my habit... <laughs> when my... Uh, when my routine gets jacked up, I'm just all, uh, what day was that this week? Tuesday of this week. I woke up a little bit late because mm-hmm. um, I forgot to set my alarm the night before. So I was rushing, trying to get ready, trying to get my son up and dressed, and that was just a nightmare. Um, and uh, so I was I was about 20 minutes late to work or whatever. And I feel like the rest of the week, I've just been just not productive at all. Out, out of sync. Just out of sync in general. I, I, I need a re, I need a big reset, um, which I think will happen in twenty twenty four. I think I think that's the next opportunity <laughs> I'm going to get to have a reset. <laughs> yeah, because after the after you go through a year of like baby time and all mm-hmm. that kind of, <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're hitting the home stretch here. We just started. We got into the third trimester last week, so. Uh, we are not much closer to having everything ready than we yeah. than we have been. <laughs> the weeks are winding down, so I've got to get on the stick a little bit here. So nice. Uh, but like like you said, tonight we're gonna uh, drink beer and uh, talk about the Bible. We're gonna actually finish up Philippians tonight, which is what what really cool and exciting. It may be a record for like us getting through a book of the Bible. The like, fa- it's only been I think it's been eleven or twelve episodes. Okay, never mind. Maybe not that uh, we've done. On Philippians, so I think we did more than that on Habakkuk, though, and Habakkuk was only three chapters. Yeah, but Habakkuk was like three long chapters. <laughs> it's true, it was. So it was three long chapters. Yes, good grief. So uh, we're still working out what we're going to do next week and in the coming weeks, and uh, getting our schedule for the next, uh, really the next study that we're going to do worked out and hammered out. So join us next week, and we'll. Have something to share with you, I guess. We might tell you something next week. If we have figured it out, we will. So <laughs> If we know what we're doing. <laughs> um, Anthony, how you doing today, bud? Man, uh, it's been a long day for me today, so I'm kind of tired. Other than, like, the week, you know, we I think we've both had just a couple of, like, really long, tiring weeks. This week hasn't been that bad. Um, other than today, just, like, today seemed to just kind of drag on. It was like, golly, can this ever be over today? It's like nothing got done and it was just one of those, just one of those days where you're like, all right, I'm glad this day is finally done, and I'm gonna go drink some beer, talk about the Bible, go to sleep, get up and do that tomorrow, and hope it's a little bit better. I hear you. So I think I think. How I, about you guys? You know what? We're okay. I think I may have just figured out why my week is all out of whack. Because S- you thought it was Friday today or something. Sunday was time change. Yes, it was. 
Sunday was time change. And Sunday was a long... Like I played at church on Sunday, um, uh-huh. and our call time is 5.45, which... Which was really 4.45. Which to my body was 4.45. <laughs> so when I woke up at 4.30, I was waking up at 3.30, and my body Oof. was probably going, hey... Uh, what are we doing? Why, why, whoa, whoa! Why, why are why are we up so early? Um, so I, maybe that's got something to do with just the funk I'm feeling this week. But it's just yeah, it's all sorts of out of sync. And um, but you know what? Tonight, you know, Thursday nights we we try to keep pretty regular and routine. Uh, record mm-hmm. on Thursdays, and I've kind of been, I've really been looking forward to our recording tonight. And, um, Me too. Let's get into let's get into our beer review, man. Let's go. Let's talk about some beer. What are you gonna drink tonight? So tonight I have from the 105 West Brew Company, based in Castle Rock, Colorado. I have the Coltrane Porter Ale. I'm not sure how that works. Coltrane Porter Ale. Coltrane Porter Ale. Is that uh, like John Coltrane? I dude, I don't know. Um, <laughs> But uh, so website actually linked me out to Untapped, so I'm on Untapped's website looking at the beer here. Um, 5.1 ABV and 39 IBUs, um, very dark, very mm-hmm. porter looking. Um, looking through some of the other pictures that other people have posted, and um, it's uh, it looks like a porter. I don't recall. I don't really recall my. View of porters, maybe it's just been a while since I've had one. Um, so I guess we'll see. Um, see what happens. Yeah, I mean, the last porter I had was Deschutes Brewing, the Black Butte Porter. That's right. About 15, 16 episodes ago. So, um, I mean, we've had we've done a whole book of the Bible since then, I think. <laughs> just um, about. <laughs> so that's what I'm drinking tonight the Coltrane Porter from 105 West. Or 105W, I'm assuming it's West Bruco. Yeah. So, what are you drinking? Tonight, I'm going back to one uh, a brewery that we've done before, the Rogue Ales Brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have the Hazelnut Brown Nectar, is what this is called. And this says is a nutty twist on European brown ale. And I'm pretty sure I've said it on here before, but I love like hazelnut, like uh, Nutella is one of my favorite things in the world. Mm hmm. Um, and I, you know, I remember this now that I'm looking at their website, uh, Rogue always had this really cool, like flavor star thing th- that they would yeah. tell you, mm-hmm. they would tell you basically. So I'm going to, so this one, like all five are on a nutty flavor. It's got four out of five on toffee flavor, three out of five on malt flavor, two out of five on roast and two out of five on bitter. So I was thinking when I bought this that it might be a little more bitter than what I want, but looking at this little star rating thing, I don't know that it's going to be that bitter. Well, that's, and that's good I'm for you. I'm kind of hoping it's going to be good because I don't you. like bitter beers. Yeah, you you like you do like hazelnut. You, the last hazelnut thing you had, you talked about the Nutella cake that your wife cake. makes, like Ooh, once a son. year or something. Son, we 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 can only afford to do it once a year, but oh man, it will it will change your life. It really will. Well. But they call this, this is their description of it. It says, from the hazelnut capital of the United States, which is apparently wherever they are, maybe. Um, I forget where they are. I'll maybe I should look at the can. All right, here we go. From the hazelnut capital of the United States, this nutty twist on a European brown ale was originally crafted by rogue brewmaster John Mayer's good friend, not John Mayer the guitar player, M-A-I-E-R, Mayer's good friend, and avid home brewer Chris Studock. 
Hazelnut Brown Nectar offers a hazelnut aroma with rich nutty flavors and a smooth malty finish. I'm actually kind of excited about this now. <laughs> Uh, this looks I'm, like it might be really good. If I'm looking at this right, they are based in Ashland, Wash, uh, Oregon, Oregon. That's right. That's right. I remember them being on the West Coast, or uh, because their headquarters is in Newport, Oregon. Uh-huh. Um, what's funny is it that comes in at 5.6 ABVs, and yes, well, we should drink them before they get hot. Let's do it. So here we go. Three, two, one, crack. Mm. Not a better sound than that. That smells like a. That smells like a porter. I think this one might be closer to a porter. This is. This thing smells good. So uh, Anthony and I are both drinking from our um, different Atlanta Braves mugs tonight in honor of um, Freddie Freeman moving on to play for Satan. I mean, the Dodgers. The Dodgers. Yes, um, Satan. So, uh, but Anthony's got a World Series Got a World Series glass, cup. and I have a glass with the map of the stadium in the neighborhood it's in. Um, Dude, forever look, Braves fans. Forever. Forever Braves fans not tied to a player. Um, That's right. Looking at Rogue Ale's Wikipedia page, which I know is like, eh, maybe it's not real, um, but I don't know why you would make this up. Uh, in 2013, they released a hot sriracha stout. Really? That could be really interesting. <laughs> and it uses like the traditional sriracha with the green top. Yeah. So I don't know if they still make it, but that would be interesting. It's definitely not on the beers page, but they have some really cool looking beers. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I think if memory serves, theirs was the only. Theirs was the dead man's. Yeah, dead guy ale. And you like that one. You gave it five. I did. I want to say we've had another rogue, though. Yeah, we did. We had the Bat Squatch, and neither of us Bat liked Squatch, it. Bat Squatch, and that was the IPA. I was like, there, IPA, were, there yeah. was a Rogue IPA that we had, yeah. and it was Bat Squatch. That's right, and that was not that good. Um, yeah. But we're not IPA fans either, so that's true. there's that. Um, so mine just smells like a porter, uh, very coffee and chocolate. Yeah. Um, kind of. I mean, it smells a lot like the Hershey Porter, honestly, mm-hmm. which maybe that means porters all smell the same, or porters all have chocolate in them most porters do have chocolate in them i do know that well let's see well there's only one way to find out how they taste and that's to turn them up and drink them so let's go cheers bottoms up that's really really interesting and when you say interesting do you mean good or (laughs) do you mean like okay the flavors so, kind of do something weird. Yeah, Nutella is definitely one of my favorite things because Nutella is hazelnuts and chocolate together. Mm-hmm. This is just hazelnuts, is what this is. Now, mm-hmm. most of the time when I when I have hazelnut, it's with something sweet, and so just the just the pure flavor of hazelnut, I think is a, is a little bit interesting. I'm not 100 percent certain how I feel. I'm not sold on it. It's 
it's not bad, but it's also not. It's not good. Like, it's not what I think when I think nutty. Right. And I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah, but I, I mean, I like hazelnut flavor, like creamer. Like that's my like uh-huh. coffee creamer. That's my go-to. Like, there's all sorts. Of, like, you can get cinnamon toast crunch and almond joy creamer and all that stuff. Like, I don't care anything. Like, those are cool, and we've had them. But if yeah, between all of that and hazelnut, I would always choose hazelnut. Um, <laughs> but I don't know if I've ever actually had a hazelnut. Yeah, like, that's that's like I think this is just hazelnut, and I don't know that I've ever had just hazelnut. Like, it's always hazelnut with yeah. something else. So is it like, is it like a bitter, like nutty bitter? It's. This is going to sound very, very strange. It it's it tastes like tree bark smells. I get it. <laughs> Say no more. Like, I understand I, what you're I saying. I feel like I licked. I feel like I licked a tree. Is what I feel like. Okay. It's but it's not bad, but it's just not good to me. Okay. I don't know. Maybe maybe you had the one Luther last week and the, and it was like you were like, it's not me or it's not you, it's me or whatever, however you said that. Yeah. It's not me, it's you. No, this def- one this no, one them, is, it was definitely them. It was definitely, <laughs> it was definitely yeah. them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this one, like, I feel like this one is me. Okay. Um I think I just don't like it. I'm sure there's a lot of people who do like it, and that's why I'm trying to be fair to it. Um it it real like it has a really good texture. The feel of it, it's light. It is yeah. very light. And so I could see it. I mean, even with it being a dark beer, I could see this being like a, a summer afternoon, like refreshing type of beer. Okay. Um, the flavor would be the thing that throws it off of not being refreshing a little bit. But, you know, if you were playing golf or if you were just, you know, hanging around in the backyard, this this would probably be a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, the flavor is just not what I want it to be. So... I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a little low on this and I'm gonna give it three Luthers. Okay. So it's it's not bad, but it's just not good. And it's not as good as some of the other ones that we've had that I've given four and four and a half. So Gotcha. Yeah, three Luthers for me on this one. All right. So um the Coltrane Porter from one oh five West Brew, uh brewing company. Um is very porter, very much a porter. Um yeah. It's not as rich as some of the other porters we had we've had. Um, not as thick in that in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, the flavor profile it's not overly chocolatey, so it's not overly sweet. It's right. it's very very strong with the coffee and the in the bitter. It only had like thirty nine IBUs according to Untapped. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still like it's still a pretty bitter for an IBU rating that low. Yeah. Um, Pretty smooth, um, and like I said, not as rich as some of the others, but still, still more rich than like your standard ale or a lager or something like that. Yeah. Um. All that to say, it's pretty good. The flavor's good. The the texture and the even the aftertaste is still it's a little bitter, but not not terrible. Um, given my you know, pairing it with my experience from last week and my overall <laughs> experience with porters and, and they're not my favorite. They're not. Um, so I'm trying really hard not to overrate this yeah. um, based on last week. But I, I'm pretty confident that given this three and a half Luthers is, is 
is where I'm going to land. Nice. Um, I think I would probably have given this three and a half, maybe four Luthers, um, you know, on a on a whim night or whatever. But three and a half Luthers yeah. for this one, and that's and that's again more because I'm not a huge fan of porters in general. Uh huh. So like you know how we used to joke about IPAs, the max you could get is four, <laughs> and then I broke the rules and gave an IPA a five. Um, it's true. I, I think this one is a, is a three and a half Luther. Porter, and that may be the highest I'd be willing to go at this point. I, I'm sure at some point yeah. in the last almost three years we've been doing this, I've <laughs> rated a Porter higher than that. But right now, on March 17th, 2022, um, three and a half Luthers on the, the uh, Coltrane Porter is what I'm gonna is what I'm gonna max it out at. There you go. So there's a Porter. There is a hazelnut. Real quick, are porters like an Irish thing? Um, I don't know. I don't know where porters come from. Today I is, should call on my friend Marcus. He's the beer expert. Because today is St. Patrick's Day. It is St. Patrick's Day. We're recording on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, this will come and if out you a haven't, week later. But. That's true. If you haven't already, then you need to go look up all of Lutheran Satire's videos. And just, you're welcome. I'm just going to say you're welcome in advance. Because he is amazing. And... I love his videos and they're great. Even if you disagree, they're still funny. Uh, why would I disagree? I think they're hilarious. <laughs> they are hilarious um, and Porter, they're theologically correct. <laughs> so porters were developed in London in the early, you know, just because I'm curious now. Porters, it's the de- British. Porters developed in London in the early 18th century, um, and that's that's where they come from. For some reason, I had in my head that they were Irish. I think maybe because of Guinness. Yeah, Guinness I think Guinnesses are stout. Are they stout? You're right. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay, don't mind me. I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, um, <laughs> so there's a beer review for the week. We have yep. uh, reviewed our two beer, two beers. Blah, blah, blah. We have reviewed our two beers, and now, like we said earlier, we're going to dive in and conclude our discussion in Philippians. So stick around, and we'll be right back. And we are back, and we're going to finish Philippians due tonight. All of chapter four is done tonight, and we're going to be finished, and it's going to be great, and then we're going to do something else later. We don't know what that is yet, but we do have a very strong inkling of what we're going to do, and I think it's going to be good. I think we're going to, I think it's going to be fun. I'm sitting here like we do, but then I remember we did talk about that. So yes, we do have a strong inkling of what we're going to do. Yes, we do. So we haven't nailed everything down, but we're trying to be as planned out as two idiots can be that don't plan things very well. So there, I mean, that's basically the sum of it right there. That's, that's a pretty good way to put it. So, but yeah, like Anthony but, said, we're going to finish up chapter four tonight and, um, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Um, we're going to, we're going to wrap up the letter here and, um, uh, and we'll talk about it tonight, I'm sure. But I think the thing, and I, I 
may have be this may be a self fulfilling <clears throat> prophecy. I don't know. Um, but the thing that I've taken away from the whole letter is finding joy in Jesus mm-hmm. and not finding joy in my circumstances. Um, Paul's writing from prison and he's writing all about finding your joy in Jesus um, throughout this letter. And I really think that's going to be the, the take home for me anyway. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know about Anthony or anybody else, but that's what my take home is going to be um, when we can, after we get through the study tonight. <laughs> um, but Anthony, you're, you're going to read um, the last yeah. 13, 14 verses of Philippians four here. And, let's do uh, it. Let's dive in. So if you have your copy of God's Word, I'm going to be reading from the ESV uh, version of the Bible, and this is what the Word of God says. I'll be picking up in Philippians 4, verse 10, and it says this, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Now at length, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In in, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you, Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek a gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greetings every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen and amen. That is the conclusion of Paul's letter. And, you know, we, we dove into this last week, and, and really, I mean, chapter 4 is kind of this one continuous thought process or thought experiment, I guess you will, on contentment. Mm-hmm. Um you know, last week it was it was focusing on the good things. You know, we go back to verses five and six and seven uh, and eight, and you're you know think on things that are righteous and holy and pure and lovely, and and when you do things like that, you find yourself in a mindset of contentment. Yeah, which is where Paul goes with this right here as he's closing out this letter. He's bringing out the the main point, and and honestly, I mean, I, as as I was. Going through tonight's notes and just kind of kind of thinking about it, everything that we've said up until this point, um, focusing on the gospel, you know, uh, staying humble, um, being in unified in mind with your church, all of that kind of stuff can really be balled up into this mindset of contentment. Does that make like and yeah? No, I, does that I, make sense? Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. <laughs> like, like you know, like we said, Paul has been 
throughout the entire letter preaching mm-hmm. contentment, being content in Jesus, being content with each other, being content in your circumstances, being content with what you have and, and not being discontented with what you don't have or what's going on around you. Um, right. And, and ultimately that, that points back to this idea that our joy is ultimately found in who Jesus is and mm-hmm. the work that he, the work of of that he did on the cross. Sorry, I, I bumbled my words there, but like ultimately, our joy is found in Jesus, and, and yeah. that's the only place where we can be content. And if you don't have Jesus, you're always going to be chasing after contentment, whether it be mm-hmm. material things or money or relationships or promotions or power or, or whatever it is. Outside mm-hmm. of Christ, you cannot be content, and yeah. you're always going to be striving and pushing and wanting more. And um, a- as a as believers, that just sounds exhausting. Like, like why why would you why would you choose <laughs> to live your life that way when you could just say, yeah. "Look, I've got Jesus. I've got everything I need." Yeah. Um, and it's not to say that it's not to say that like wanting a promotion or wanting um. You know, wanting things is bad, but when those become your pursuit, mm-hmm. you've um, wow, this is real timely because we just had a sermon about this on Sunday. But like, if or maybe it was two weeks ago, but like anything that you put in anything in your life that you put in place of God has become an idol, right? And yeah. so that even means good things and relationships, whether that's um, if you're looking for a spouse or you're looking or you want to mm-hmm. have kids or. You know, relationships can become idols, or or chasing after <clears throat> something like, um, you you want to make more money in your job, mm-hmm. that can become an idol. Even though the, your motives may say, "I want that so I can su- you know support my family," which is a good yeah. and noble thing, but if that becomes what you're chasing after, and not, I want to glorify Jesus with every aspect of my life, including the money my, yeah. I make, including my relationship, including whatever. Um, but yeah, if, if we're if we're outside of Jesus or, or if we're not content in our circumstances, not outside of Jesus, but if you're not content in your circumstances, you're not content in what's going on around you, um, that's a gut check. And, yeah. I, and I think that really points to um, that, that points to, to the flesh that we're we're stuck in. Um, mm-hmm. because I, I've caught myself at times, and I'm sure Anthony has too, where I'm looking around going, man, this situation is not great and I don't mm-hmm. I don't see a way out. I don't see a any any way that anything can change. Um and it's really like, okay, do I trust that Jesus is who he says he is? Yeah. And can I put fully put my confidence and my joy in him? Yeah. Does that make and sense? Like, I, I feel weird absolutely. saying. I feel weird and saying that at the end of a long thing because I usually don't say anything that's like confusing. So, no, that makes perfect sense. And and you know, it's it's easy for us to sit in here and talk about it in a microphone and say, you know, uh, this it, this is all you have to do. All you have to do is be content in Christ. You know, like it's like it's this one two three step thing that you can do. Man, this is this is hard. And I think that's what you're getting at. Like. This is a daily struggle uh, to to practice and to be content is hard because you're it's so easily we are so easily seduced by the mm-hmm. things of this world. You know, I want to get a new car or I want to get a bigger house or I want to get these things. And wanting those things is not necessarily bad, but the 
the reason behind it. Why do you want a bigger house? Yeah. You know, why do you want that new car? Is it because your neighbor got a new car or because you don't think your car is good enough for you or whatever it is? You know, what is it? What's the motivation behind that? And you hit on that, the motivation behind it. And, you know, that what we're going to talk about tonight, being content does not mean like living on the streets and being poor and just being like, oh, woe is me. I'm content with whatever I have. You, you want to give me a grain of rice? I would love that. I, you know, no, that's, you know, the Bible teaches us to work and to strive and to, you know, learn and to grow. And part of that is going to be earning a promotion at work and, and earning, you know, things, but you're never doing that for yourself. You're never doing that for just you. You're doing that to the glory and the praise of God the Father. Yeah. I think in the Western church specifically, we've gotten into this, we've fallen into this culture of comparison in this, like, mm-hmm. um, we've almost been manipulated to think, like, if I don't have what that guy over there has, then I'm not doing something right. Or right. If, or, if, or, or that guy over there is looking at us going, well, I'm obviously doing something right because look at all I have and look what... Yeah, they don't have it. So I mean, it's a, it's a two way street in that regard. Um, I, I really feel that if anybody does, we as believers need to stop comparing ourselves to mm-hmm. other people and comparing our specific situations. Like God is pl- th- think about this. God has placed you at in the house at the street address you are at <clears throat> right now for mm-hmm. a specific purpose right now yeah yep do you remember the movie keeping up with the joneses we've talked about it i don't think i've ever seen it but i i know the i understand the concept yeah it well they it was like they made a movie about it and and the part that i remember was like they show you the end and then like they back up and do the whole thing and like the end of the movie is him driving his lawnmower into his pool trying to drown himself mm. And, you know, the whole premise was was his neighbor kept getting things and he had to have everything that his neighbor had. And he like, you know, he leveraged himself into debt and all kinds of crazy things. And he got to the point where he couldn't see a way out of it. So he, you know, tried to drive his lawnmower into his pool and kill himself. But like there are so many times where I look at the church and I think like the church is just trying to do a Christian version of keeping up with the Joneses. You know, Mm. church A is trying to draw people in so they can be as big as church B. And, and you know, the, the whole point is not that church A is small and church B is big, but how does church B and church A work together to reach the city that both of them are in? Yeah. You know, and, and mm. we've gotten, we've gotten into this and right, we're, we're going to talk about this later, but we've gotten into this consumeristic mindset in our churches. Yeah. Um, so, but, but, the reason we've gotten into that is because we've avoided contentment in our churches and we've not practiced contentment in our churches. Yeah. And so Paul out of the shoot, he comes into this thing and and he lays it out to the Philippian church. You know, we need to be content. And he he starts this off by rejoicing because the Philippians were able to renew their support. And you know, the the interesting thing is is it doesn't say a whole lot about this, but he talks about them renewing their support. Well, if they're renewing it, that means at some point they had to stop. And so there doesn't give a whole lot of detail about why they stopped, but they did for some reason. You look like you're about to say something really important. No, I was just reading. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and so what what Paul is is doing to them, or, or I think what Paul is emphasizing to them, is understanding this balance of giving and receiving. Yeah, you know, um, because I and and I think this is where a lot of times when we have these discussions, we end up and and I'll you know I'll even say there's probably some fair criticisms against us because we have come there's been times when we've come pretty hard against pastors yeah and the way that they present it yeah and you know do i think those those are fair i think they are if somebody wants to criticize me for them then then i you know i'm i'm open to hearing that and that's fine yeah. but you know i i think because we haven't practiced this balance of giving and receiving We've gotten ourselves into a into a place in in church today where we don't understand how to be content because we think it's either all or nothing. Like you have to give everything and you have to like be poor and live on the street and or you give nothing and you hoard everything for yourself and you you know you don't do anything or you know it. Our our culture has created this idea of mutual exclusivity in everything. You know, Anthony, I've heard you say that. Um you know, in the past, you've been, you've, you've kind of gotten burned out before. And I think mm-hmm. that comes from this idea of giving, not just financially or whatever, but like giving of your time, giving of your, um, your talents or whatever. And you're mm-hmm. always giving. Yeah. And, and you're never able to just sit back and just receive, whether that's sitting under, the sermon or, or being able to just go to worship service just to go just to, yeah. just to worship freely and not feel like you have to lead or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the most, I want to be careful with saying this, but some of the most like content people I've met that I know have found an incredible balance between giving of their time and giving, you know, serving their church and doing all those things but also receiving, whether that's receiving uh-huh. blessings from others or sitting under preaching or, or being or being able just to sit in a service and yeah. worship and sit under the teaching and not have to be doing something at every single hour. Uh-huh. Do you have any idea how freeing that can be to somebody who, when they go, they, they're like, I don't have a responsibility for every single moment that I'm in this building. Yeah. I, I'm able to... And I think that I think that feeds into the contentment of people. I think if yeah, if they're always expected to do something when the doors are open, mm-hmm. that's going to lead to a lot of discontentment with the situation that they're in because they're not getting what they need out of their experience right. in church. But I think also it will lead to resentment from that person, and I think yeah. they'll ultimately begin showing that resentment whether it's you know in the words they say or how they interact with people i don't know yeah well and, and you know yes i i have definitely experienced burnout in that area and and i you know i think you have too I, and mm-hmm. i mean part part of this podcast is because of where michael and i found ourselves um and you know it was this is so i'll give a little bit of history about about the two of our relationship here um we went. We both worked on staff at a church, and and when we I was hired in, and and we met each other and, and kind of we started to build a team. Um, we were both in a position to where we kind of had to oversee and manage 
uh, a group of volunteers, and realistically what we needed was a much larger group of volunteers. Mm -hmm. And so part of my role was to build that team and to grow that team. And so, and, and this is something that I've done with churches Almost every church I've been involved with uh, since college is I have made it a, a point to not overuse and abuse people. Mm, yeah. And I tell them that when I, you know, from the moment I have a conversation with them about serving in the church, I say, I would rather go without something for one week than have you sitting in a chair serving when you need to be sitting in a pew listening. Yeah. And, and so, you know, one of the, I guess, kind of the line where I draw it is I think people should serve once a month, one time a month. Um, you know, maybe it's too far apart. I don't know. You know, I, I think you could balance that out. And, and I think there's other people who can do more and, and some people who can do less. But either way, that's, that's kind of the, the line that I draw in the sand. Yeah. And I remember Michael and I, we talked about this and we, we put this thing in and we had a team of about, 20 people maybe 22 people and and we did a push and we tried to get new volunteers and one of the things is i told these volunteers i said i'm only going to ask you to serve one time a month now when that one week that you serve it, it's a long day and that was part of the reason that i said only one day a month because at the time you know we had to be at the church at 7 a.m to prepare for sunday morning uh when we first started it we had three services and so, you know, you're there for all three of those services. But at the end of the day, when, when you're done at, you know, noon 30 or whatever it was, you're done. You go home, there's nothing else. And and I remember hearing back, and, and I don't know if anybody ever said anything to Michael, but I remember hearing back from the volunteers when we made that change that they really enjoyed it because they felt like they had more time to be with their families, to enjoy their, like, being at church. Mm -hmm. um, because before... It was, you know, they may only serve one service, but they're doing that one service every single week. And and you know as well as I know, if you're doing one thing every every week, it kind of messes with your your pattern of Sunday morning, especially like if you have a family yeah. that's coming with you. You know, they can't come when you come, or unless you're the late service or something like that. And and so it just it kind of messes with the dynamic of Sunday morning when somebody is separate from the family, and so. Uh, you know, that was just one of the things that, that we had done and that we implemented. And I remember hearing that from people um, that that they really liked, you know, yes, it was one long Sunday, but they really liked that idea of just having that one Sunday. They felt like they could give, they were serving, they were contributing, and then they had the rest of the month off, you know, and they could spend those those weeks with their family and their Bible study classes and, and whatever it was for the rest of those weeks. Um and and you know there there were weeks where we did without something yeah. because we didn't have enough people and and it just you know it was what it was and we just made the best of it until we had enough volunteers to fill all the seats every week yeah but you know that was that was a time I remember we grew that team uh, the two of us working together we grew that team from like twenty to almost sixty people yeah and and it was I mean it was a it was a great time and and I enjoyed watching all of those people grow. But that's what I think about when I think about contentment is is people who are there and willing to serve. And the commentary that we're we're going through is um, they brought out these six different things um, that that contentment really flows from. Of course, one of them is going to be contentment. But um, 
in these verses, verses 10 through 20, kind of main, and then 21 through 23 is the uh, the closer. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about kind of each one of these. And, and we're going to do this fairly quickly. There's not a whole lot that we're going to hammer on these. Uh, but the very first thing that Paul brings out is gratitude. And this is from chapter 4, verse 10. So let's talk about gratitude for just a minute. So in uh, verse 10, Paul writes, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that once again you renewed your care for me. Um, so, so Paul's grateful for this gift uh, from the Philippian church, right? He's, mm-hmm. um, like you said, not really sure why they were no longer giving, but they yeah. renewed their support for him. And, that, and, and Paul is showing his gratitude for that. I think a lot of times when people are giving, whether it's their money or time or whatever, um, <sighs> our churches a lot of times, sometimes a lot of churches are great at thanking their people. For, yeah. for the sacrifice of being there all day on a Sunday or, or putting in the extra time mm-hmm. to do whatever. I've also struggled with the lack of gratitude. And so mm-hmm. and I think Paul recognizes that, that it's important for the Church of Philippi to hear that he's grateful for what they've, um, for the gift of their support that they've given him. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, he also acknowledges that though they may have lacked opportunity, they never lacked concern for him. So um, they may not may not have always had the opportunity to serve him, right. but they always cared for him. They always cared about him. They cared about where he was and what he was doing and who he was serving. Um, and with this attitude, with this grateful attitude that Paul's, ex- you know, expressing here, we avoid this. Uh, manipulation mm-hmm. which con- which if you've ever been in a church service you've probably <laughs> felt manipulated into giving in some way um yep and you know really the three things here are manipulation flattery and then silence right um mm-hmm. people get turned off by the church when they say things like the pastor's or when they say things like the pastor's always talking about money. Yeah. I mean, it, it never fails when you invite somebody to church that Sunday is like giving a Sunday or you're in the <laughs> middle of a giving series or a giving whatever. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, giving is an important part of it. But if the gratefulness isn't there, people aren't going to be right wanting to or willing to or interested mm-hmm. in it. Um, I don't know. I, it's a it's it's tough. It's it's tough. But you know, the Bible clearly says that that God loves a cheerful giver, and so in a minute we're going to talk about giving, and and we're going to talk about it with the word partnership. But just kind of right right here on this one, churches and and this is part of that consumer mentality is churches mm-hmm. think they have to convince people of something. Like you're selling a product to a consumer, um, and and they can do this with manipulation, with flattery, or with with silence. You know, um, I think about churches that that highlight big givers with names on buildings, and you know, is that a bad thing? Not necessarily. Um, if you want to honor the legacy of somebody who built an entire building for a church, okay, you know, I can get that, but. But you know, um, you you bring them up in front of the church and you say, "This person gave X number of dollars, and uh, we want the church to be grateful to the." And it's like it's a you know, 
and and it's it's really nothing at the people who gave the money because they may have had the purest of intentions and not wanted any of that. Yeah, it's got more to do with the church itself. I mean, Paul also said earlier in Philippians that like his legacy and background meant nothing. Yeah. And so like to the big giver, like they may not have been looking for that intention or that you know that attention or recognition yeah. or whatever. It's really kind of a disservice by churches that do that. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure there are people that are like, they'll mail in their check and then call Monday morning like, hey, did you get my X number of dollar check this week? You know, just to make sure they got it, just to make sure that, you know, so-and-so knows that they're the ones that Did Pastor know? Yeah, does Pastor know that I got... Yeah, so, you know, there's... You got to be careful there, but I do think, you know, what you were just talking about, churches that parade up their big givers or, mm-hmm. or do whatever. Um, yeah. That's really not a, I mean, it goes against the humility of that Paul's been yeah. talking about here. Yeah. Well, and it, it also goes against the, uh, the con- <laughs> what they talk about in James about showing uh, partiality and oh, favoritism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you know, if, if you're, if you're having special meetings with people and and feeding them lunches and talking about the finances of the church with a specific group of people because they're big givers, you might be having might some, be partiality some partiality and favoritism there. Mm-hmm. And and so you know, uh, just because somebody can't give a lot doesn't mean they don't have a, something to add to the conversation. Yeah, didn't and, isn't there a parable Jesus talks about this where the lady who gave. All she had, her heart for giving mm-hmm. was bigger than the guy who gave the right percentage. Tons of money. Yeah, the widow's might, the, yeah. the two cents. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So it's almost, it's that's like in a, there. Almost like there's a parable for everything. <laughs> it's like it fits. It's crazy. It's like Jesus knew what he was doing because anyway. he was God. Yeah, anyway, um, so, so we talked about gratitude. Let's let's get into uh, con- contentment is what can, Yeah, says. I totally misspelled this in the notes. <laughs> uh, contentment. Um, contentment. Let's get into contentment. My favorite verse in all of the Bible. Um, now, in, in this section, we're going to go verses 11 through 13. Um, Paul is really getting down to the nuts and bolts of what it means to be content. Um, and, and simply stated, and, and the commentary had the best line on this, Christian contentment is about believing that Christ is enough. Mm-hmm. Period. End of story. That you know, that is the foundation of Christian contentment. And it was funny because uh, Michael and I were talking about this. I was reading through the the chapter this week for the commentary, and I was reading this. And I was like, man, there's this really good book that I read in my reading list last year called "The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment" by a Puritan uh, named Jeremiah Burroughs, and. I flipped the page and and the the commentator, which is I think it was uh, Tony Meredith this time he was writing, he he recommends this book and so I was like, well there you go, um, it it's is a like fantastic they got in your book. Head. <laughs> Either I got in their head or they got in my head, one of the two, but it is it's not an easy read because it's definitely a Puritan and it was definitely written in Old English and sometimes it's hard to understand, but it is worth the read to Mm. get an idea of what the reality of christian contentment is in the daily christian walk yeah and and so that's i'm i'm going to recommend the book if you if you're following along with us in the commentary you've already picked that up um 
but but yeah, the rare jewel of Christian contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs. Go grab a copy and and start reading it today because it's so good. Um, but another th- couple of things they talked about is that contentment is not connected to our circumstances, and this is what we've been hammering on almost this entire study. Yeah, you have to separate your your circumstances from the way that you feel, how it makes you feel. Yeah, and you have to say, who am I? What am I in Christ? And then how is that going to affect my current circumstances? Because that's what Paul does. Yeah, you know, Paul's in jail, yet he still says, I'm rejoicing. I'm sharing the gospel with the jailers. The jailers are coming to Christ. And so we have to separate. We have to be able to disconnect uh, our circumstances from our contentment. Yeah. That really cha- um, that really challenges if we really believe that Christ is enough. That's right. That's it. If you believe Christ is enough, then you say, I'm willing to separate my circumstances from my, from yeah. my contentment level. So, But the, the other thing is that, that contentment is learned. And this one was interesting to me because, you know, I never thought about when you talk about it being learned, you're talking about almost like wisdom and, and you learn contentment and you learn these things and, and real true deep contentment is, is learned over a lifetime. You know, I, I look at people who are a little bit older than me and I, and I say, how are they showing contentment or how are they showing wisdom? And, you know, when I was uh, 15 and I had every, I knew everything that was possible to be known in the world. I was the smartest human being alive um, when I was 15. And now I realize that I didn't know anything when mm-hmm. I was 15, you yeah. know, because I've learned so much about what it means to actually be content, to go through a trial and have to say, you know what? The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And you can say that with your mouth all day long. And like I said earlier, two guys can get up here and tell you this with a microphone. But until you live it, until you go through it, it doesn't really hit home. Yeah. You know, and so it's something that is learned. Um, but the other thing that contentment does is it is it grounds our union with Christ. It, it keeps it grounded and it keeps us on the level that says, Everything that I have, everything that I am has to be founded in Christ. Everything has to become and start with Christ, and it has to finish with Christ. You go back to to chapter 1, verse 6, the thing that he starts, he's going to finish. And you have to have that confidence to say, no, I'm not going to step outside of Christ. I'm going to keep this here, and I'm going to let my circumstances work themselves out the way God sees fit to work them out for me. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's contentment. Now let's talk about partnership because this is a fun one. Yeah, so partnership in verses 14 through 16. Um, I'm going to reread the verses here because I'm going to read okay. them from my version here, uh, from the Holman Christian Standard. Not my version, but the Holman Christian Standard. <laughs> <laughs> you wrote this version? That's negative. <laughs> um, so uh, verse 14 through 16 says, Still you did well by sharing with me in my hardship. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my need several times. Um, You know, Anthony, you wrote in our notes here that we've – you believe fairly. I don't disagree um, with that statement that we have fairly criticized. We have – you and I. This podcast yeah. has fairly criticized the way that some pastors handle the topic of money. Um, yeah, and while while how money is handled in the church is, you know, it's 
not easy to criticize it, but um, we it needs to be it needs to be called out when we see it. I, I guess is what yes. I'm trying to say there. When we yeah. see things that, um, you know, you are doing this, this, you know, doing this with the money that God has given to your church, that isn't which may or may not be necessary at this time. Why don't we mm-hmm. use that money to do to pour into another ministry that you know we feel called to to be a part of or or take care of you know you know partner with somebody else partner with a foreign mission thing like right like what is so special about this location that warrants pouring in all this mm-hmm. money into into a project um however on the flip side of that we do need to point out that if you are a believer in a local church we are commanded to support mm-hmm. the local ministry and the yeah. local ministry being the church that you're a part of um in in some you know some way financially um that that's why we believe that being a member of a of a church body is so important yeah um you know it's it's easy to say well i'm just i'm just visiting i, I think i feel like people use that as like a cop out to get around uh, serving mm-hmm. or get around giving, you know, get yeah. that th- you give up your guest parking space if you become a member, um, <laughs> and, and and so you know, but when you become a church member, that that implies some responsibilities, responsibilities to give um, faithfully, um, mm-hmm. to serve faithfully, um, and to attend faithfully. I this think. totally just this totally just crossed my mind, but you know, we we've. Uh, I know I've used the analogy. We've heard the analogy that churches are like country clubs. Mm-hmm. What if churches really were like country clubs and like the members got to park up close and the guests had to park out in the back 40? <laughs> Dude, the guests would not be guests long. I'm just... I, just, I just thought about that. And I was like, no, it's backwards because in a in a church, guests park like right at the front door. Yeah. And the members are the guys who park out in the back 40. Anyway, that was a, that was a random thought that, that, that I had. Is, on that I one. mean, but that is a good point. Like, if we treated churches like country clubs, I feel like, you know, one members would be encouraged, like, encouraged to give more faithfully. Mm-hmm. Um, they'd be encouraged to serve, encouraged to and do things around yeah. the church. Don't um, pay your dues when you're at the country club and see what happens. <laughs> I know, right? Um, <laughs> I've never been a member of a country club. I say that like I know what I'm talking about. Um so, so you know that's why church membership is so important. If you aren't giving, mm-hmm. you're you're not really a partner. You're you're yeah. basically a consumer. You're a long term guest. Yeah, you know, those those long term stay hotels in uh, right. in vacation you know, in places. <laughs> you know they're like eighty six dollars a night or whatever. You're basically one of those guys. Um, and that's amazing. I never thought about that. <laughs> I mean, I I hadn't really thought of it either, but someone needs to hear it, I guess. Um, That's a great analogy. But but think but think about it like the consumer mindset in the churches is so rampant now. Mm-hmm. Like every everything that is done to draw in has to be done has to be one upped the next time. Yeah. To keep the people who aren't members and haven't joined for whatever reason coming back. Yeah. Um. I mean, it really is. I hate using the term, but it really is like seeker, seeker friendly. Yeah. To to a lot of the stuff that's going on in churches. 
It it is, and you know what's funny is we've put a lot of the blame here on this podcast. We've put a lot of the blame on churches, and and again, I think it's fair criticism. I think the blame is fair, um, but there also has to be a lot of blame on the people yeah. who respond to that type of mentality. Yeah, you know because it is a man centric, me focused. What am I going to get out of this mentality that that thinks that way? Yeah. And because people think that way, churches have built themselves around responding that way. And we've put ourselves in a cycle between churches and people of somebody's going to have to break the cycle, and when they do, it's probably going to hurt. But the cycle still needs to be broken, because if you don't, you're going to spin out of control, and everybody's going to get thrown off the Ferris wheel. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, if the status quo is not being challenged, at some point, everyone's just going to get complacent. That's right. And, you know, if your church is doing everything possible to keep people coming in without, you know, making sure that discipleship is happening or uh, Mm -hmm. justification, that's the one. To me, if if you're if if the justification process not isn't being ha- isn't happening, you um, mean sanctification? Sanctification, justification <laughs> happens at salvation. You're right. That's right. Declared Gosh. righteous, justified. declared righteous, justified, and glorified. Gosh, I'm such a dope. <laughs> um, if, if the sanctification process isn't being isn't being followed through, if there's not discipleship mm-hmm. happening, if if people aren't giving for whatever reason. Wreck the status quo. Do something Wreck, different. Yeah. <laughs> stop Stop just going through the motions and saying, well, it's worked for 20 years. Well, it's not working now. Like, That's what's, right. If it's not working now, it needs to die. So Yeah, something needs to change. Um, I'll say it. But, it needs to die. <laughs> You're not wrong. It does. It needs to die. So so that's partnership. You know, Be a part of the local church. Be involved. Give. Serve. Give your time. Yes. Do all the things. It is a biblical command. Stop being a consumer and get in your church and encourage your church not to funnel consumer mentality. There you go. Do it. So so the last thing, well, last couple of things. The next one he talks about is fruitfulness. And this one, this one is interesting to me um, because verse 17, he says this right here. Dave Ramsey does not approve of this message for, for the record. Um, he says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases your credit. Dave Ramsey does not want you to have credit. Sorry. That was... <laughs> so, interesting. The HCSB says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that's increasing to your account. Which is basically credit. It's basically but, credit. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and, and that's what... I mean, it's not talking about credit like credit cards and going into debt. It's it's talking about, you know, storing up your treasures in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um Again, there was this guy named Jesus who talked about storing up your treasures in heaven. That guy. And what a guy. <laughs> that, that guy. And he, you know, when you're when you're focused, when you are content in Christ and you are focused on giving and partnering with the local level, you are going to grow as a Christian. Yeah. Part of that growth process, part of that sanctification process is going to be fruit. Um, you know, we will be recognized as believers by the fruit that we portray. Are we portraying the what Galatians presents as the fruits of the spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Are we displaying those things? Do we have fruit in our lives? Because at the end of the day, 
fruitfulness focuses on laying up those treasures in heaven. It focuses on not what you can build here, not what you can amass here, but what you can build in heaven. You know, um, if if only thing we're worried about is the things that we're going to have on earth, then then we're going to be sad and lonely in heaven. Yes, you, you might make it to heaven, but you're going to be sad and lonely. Not really, because you're going to be worshiping God. But, you know, think about the the things that we that we put our emphasis on here versus the things that we could put our emphasis on that have eternal value discipleship mentoring new believers mentoring old believers being mentored yourself being yeah. invested into yourself you know all of those things matter and those are what build up treasures in heaven which is the goal of christian contentment in christ does that make sense yep all right and so the, before the uh the final goodbyes that Paul always puts at the ends of, ends of his letters here, um, verses eighteen through twenty, uh, we talk about worship and faith, right? And mm-hmm. really, and and I can't emphasize this enough. I feel and I feel like Anthony and I have done a real have done a fair job. Not maybe not maybe not at times a really good job, but a fair job <laughs> at um, at saying that worship is a lifestyle. Worship is not right. Um, just singing. It's not just preaching. It's not just teaching. Um, but worship is what you do, you know, Monday through Friday at your at your nine to five job. It's it's how you mm-hmm. interact with your kids. It's how you treat the lady in the drive through at Starbucks. It's how you um, talk to somebody who has done you wrong, whether it's at work mm-hmm. or your family member or whatever. Um, but your lifestyle, how you, all of those situations should. Sorry. All those situations should result because of an overflow of what Jesus has done in you. Right. And, and how you interact with those people should be an act of worship. And um, Romans 12, 1 talks about our spiritual act of worship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we have the mentality that like everything we do is an act of worship, I think that refocuses our attention on who Jesus is, what he's done for us and, and wanting to be in a constant state of worshiping him. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's worship is one of those things that, that can become a buzzword. And I think in, especially in today's church, worship has become a buzzword because there's worship bands and there's worship songs and there's, you know, name your, name your thing that has the word worship attached to it. Um, but when I know when I think about worship, and when I was going through school, um, I took a I took of like an intensive thing at uh, there was there used to be this group called the Integrity Worship Music Group, um, mm-hmm. and and they they developed a full college degree program that partnered with the school that I went to my undergraduate studies with, and one of the things that I remember was um, this guy coming in and talking about worship from a biblical perspective, what worship was in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and how it is today. And the thing that stuck out to me was when he talked about worship in the Old Testament, because he said, you know, they didn't get together, they didn't sit in pews, they didn't sing songs, they didn't, um, yes, we have the Psalms, the book of Psalms that's from the Old Testament, but that didn't happen on Sunday morning. They didn't have, you know, they didn't go to church open up the Psalter and sing, you know, Psalm 122 on, on Sunday morning. 
Right. Um, worship was something that happened every single day for them, and 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 it typically happened in the form of sacrifice. Um, because that was how they, the Old Testament, had to atone for their sins. They didn't go to church, sing the songs, say a prayer, and go home. They had to actually sacrifice a blood sacrifice for their sins. And so he talks about this Old Testament. I'm gonna I'm gonna super condense this down, but basically he talks about um, the more wealthy you are, the more the bigger your sacrifice has to be. Okay. Right. So let's talk about a really rich guy who has to bring a bull. He goes into the the uh, temple. And he has to sacrifice his animal, and it's huge. Bulls are huge. So he does all of the stuff. Not going to get into those details. He sacrifices the animal, and he leaves. Okay? And this is an all-day event for him, more than likely. Mm -hmm. Um, When he goes into that temple, he's clean. He's, you know, getting up in the morning. He's had his bath, whatever you want. He's clean on the outside. He's clean on the outside. And... He does the sacrifice and he leaves and he is just covered in blood, dirt, grossness. And so from the physical perspective, he walks in clean and leaves dirty. Mm-hmm. But from God's perspective, he walks in dirty, filthy, and then he leaves clean. Yeah. Because that blood sacrifice. Well, fast forward to the New Testament and then there's this guy named Jesus who lives the life that we are supposed to live dies the sacrificial death that we are supposed to die, that in the Old Testament was represented by an animal, dies that death, and then we can be called clean because of his work. Mm -hmm. And so picture yourself now, you walk into a temple dirty, the blood of Christ is applied to you, and you walk out clean. Yeah. And, you know, think about that when you go into church this Sunday. Think about walking into church and saying... I am filthy. I am gross. I am disgusting. God, I need you to fill me up. I need you to cleanse me. I need you, you know, not in the salvation perspective, but in just the, I need to be washed by your blood again today so that you may, you may not go and leave dirty, but because the blood is on you, God sees you as clean. Yeah. And, and let that change the way that you view church. Let that, because, so many times we think that church is supposed to be this this uh this thing where we you know go and we hear a good word and we're encouraged and it's great and that's wonderful and and all of that is not bad none of that is bad but the reality is that sunday should be the day where we go and we say god i need your blood to be applied to me and i need you to fill me up completely yeah. i'm empty and i need you to fill me up I'm going to sing songs of worship and praise that glorify your name and and exalt your name. And if you're not at a church that does that, get to another church that does that. I'm going to sit and I'm going to listen to a man who's going to teach me the Word of God, and he's going to walk through Bible passages, and he's going to teach me what they mean, and I'm going to learn how to apply the Word, and that's going to fill me up, and that's going to teach me more. And if your church doesn't do that, find a church that does. Yeah. So that way, when you walk out, you've had the blood poured over your life, the blood of the word, the blood of song. And and in that hour, 15, hour, 30 minutes that you're there, you walk out and you are full and you are covered in the blood and God sees you as clean. And then you spend the whole week going back out and emptying yourself back out and coming back to church the next week and saying, I'm empty again. I need to be filled up again. Let's do this all over again. You know? And that's what... That's what I think about when I think of 
what you said, Romans 12, 1, living your life as a sacrifice, a worship to God. Mm-hmm. Because it's something that, that in the Old Testament, they had to do it all the time. Yeah. You know, and, and we can't, we have trouble sparing one morning a week to go and to sit down and to be filled up by the Spirit of God and to be washed by the blood and to be covered and cleansed and go back out into the world and say, how am I going to focus on Christ this week? And how yeah. am I going to show Christ to the people around me this week? Yeah. The crazy thing is to think about like all the things that the people of the Old Testament had to do. Cause like, yeah. you know, I mean, it's not, it's not just going in and sacrificing a bull or a ram or whatever. It's like, you have to do it the right way. And if you screw it up, then <laughs> you got to go back you and get start a, over, you start <laughs> over. You know, that's, that's the whole thing. And, you mm-hmm. know, like you said, it's a, pretty regular occurrence i don't know how often they would be sacrificing bulls um pretty regular yeah i know but (laughs) but you know is it a daily a weekly a monthly occurrence like like how often are they doing this i don't know that they ever ever met they i mean they just said when you go to offer but there's so many different types of offerings in scripture i mean you read the book of leviticus and deuteronomy and it's they have to offer offerings i mean it was basically every time you sent yeah and so i mean I know the depravity of my heart, and I know how many times I'd be in there. Yeah, I would just have all my bulls in the just leave in the temple with me. All right, here we go. Hey, the, uh, don't touch those bulls. Those are Anthony's bulls. He's going to need those. <laughs> but, but yeah, but then you you contrast that with with now, like like you were just saying, a lot of people I've heard the excuse like, I just I I just can't get up on Sundays in time, man. They're like. Most churches have multiple services. Mm-hmm. One usually starts at a, like eleven. Yeah. If you can't make I say, it, by- and the churches that don't have multiple services start at like ten thirty or eleven anyway. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, but like you were just saying, the depravity of the heart. Like, if somebody doesn't want to do it, then they won't do it. Right. Exactly. So. Oh man. Well, Paul closes us out with some greetings, and it's his normal greetings. Um, there's, there's, there's really not a whole lot to talk about, but he's, he's grateful for, um, the people and he's, and he sends the, the normal typical, you know, I bless you guys. And, and I thank Christ Jesus for, for you guys. And he didn't say you guys, but, he says, uh, y'all, he says, y'all Paul was from the South and he read the King James version. At least that's what I'm told by some people. <laughs> so that's my but, only response to that is pshh. So I, I hope this study has been encouraging to you guys. I, I know it has been to me. Um, it's not the first time I've read through or studied the book of Philippians, but man, it's always so encouraging just to go and talk about it verse by verse. And, you know, Michael gave his takeaways. I think my takeaway is the same thing is, is don't let your circumstances define you. Don't let your um, what's happening in the world around you define you. Um, because you are not defined by that. You are defined by the living God uh, who made you and formed you in his image, and be content and be hopeful in that. Let that be your foundation, and then and then go from there. Yeah. And if you don't have that relationship, if you're listening to this and you don't have the relationship, you know, please reach out to us. Um, uh, we want to talk to you about this, and, and we will gladly sit down and do it. And so... Um, yeah, with that, I mean, that, that's, that's my takeaway, which I think is probably the same as yours, but, but, uh, 
let's continue to grow uh, as a group of people. Let's continue to serve as a group of people, and let's be unified, and let's represent Christ the best way we know how. Let's stay laser-focused on the gospel and not get distracted by differences and and pettiness and all this kind of stuff. Let's stay laser-focused on the gospel and do the work that God has called us to do. Agreed. Amen. I don't. I literally have nothing to add to that. <laughs> I, th- I think you hit every point that I would have. I would have tried to hit there. So, um, well, Anthony, as we've uh, kind of grown accustomed to in this study in Philippians, will you close us out in a prayer? I will do it. I will gladly do it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the Book of Philippians. We thank you for uh, what it means uh, to us as Christians, and we thank you for Paul who sat down and wrote it and in. in the worst of circumstances in, in from prison. And God, his encouragement to believers, his encouragement to the Philippian church in his day, but God, that it has transcended 2,000 years and, and is still an encouragement to your church today. And so, God, I pray that this conversation, this study, this book has been encouraging to those who have listened to it. Um, I pray that they would continue to learn and grow, that they would not just uh, listen to two guys ramble on for for an hour a week and and let that be that. But God, continue to study and dive deep and ask questions and and learn. And God, they could stay laser-focused, exactly what we've talked about in this book of Philippians, that they can stay laser-focused on the gospel, that they can stay, um, their contentment can stay in Christ and their foundation can stay in Christ and they would be humble uh, and they would be unified, God, that, that you would work in each and every person's life who hears this. And, and uh, God, I pray that you would uh, encourage them, but God, also convict them and, and, and convict them to stay plugged into their local church and to serve in their local church and to give and to partner with that church. And God, that, that each local church is an expression of, of you in the city that they're in. And so, God, I pray that they would be involved um, and they would serve you through that church and God that that church could have um, an impact in the city and, and could change the city and God that we wouldn't be focusing on the wrong things, the consumer things God that we wouldn't be focusing on that but God we would be focusing on worshiping you and God that we would be focused on applying your life, applying your word to our lives and learning your word on a daily basis in, in day in and day out and so God as we close this study, I pray that you would bless it and and all the foolishness that has gone along with it. I pray that you would bless that uh, because, because, God, at the end of the day, we're just two guys offering the best that we have uh, to the God of the universe and saying, do, do whatever you will with this and, and use it however you see fit. And so, God, I pray that uh, and I pray for every person who hears this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, Michael, it is social media time. And if people wanted to get a hold of us on social media platforms, we're not on TikTok. We're not going to be on TikTok, so don't even ask. But where could they meet us on social media? Why don't you want to be on TikTok? I hate TikTok. Okay, that's fair. Uh, (laughs) You can find the Beers and Bobble podcast on Instagram at Beers and Bobble underscore. You can find us on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can find us on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible podcast and looking for the logo there and then you can also email us at beers and bible podcast at gmail.com we'd love to uh get your messages on any of those platforms and we'll even respond to most of them um so if you have any questions about anything or anything any beer suggestions that you would like for us to try to find and review on the podcast we'd love to get those 
Um, if you want to tag us in uh, posts with beers that you are sampling, like C Hardwick 51 is doing, um, yeah, you can do that as well. And we, you know, we'll, we'll take those. Uh, what's funny is I realized after we recorded last week, like the next day, he posted that he was drinking a raspberry from Oyster City. So nice. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, you can find us there. Um, interact with us on those social media platforms. And uh, we'd love to uh, hear from you guys and, and start some conversations. If you have any questions about anything we've discussed um, in the book of Philippians or throughout the entirety of the podcast, we'd love to talk to you about that as well. So reach out, hit us up, do it. And until next week, we hope your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open. And we will see you later. Peace out.